Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book study. My name is Melissa C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. Today is Friday, November 27th. This is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. And today we're reading from the big book, and we are on page 19, the fourth paragraph of Necessity, There Will, and we're reading one paragraph only. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Nina R., the 12 traditions, Nan K., readers of the text, Susan H., Margaret D., Anita J. is on standby, our newcomer greeter will be Jason K., and the host for the second unrecorded hour is Russ M. Okay, the reference numbers for Thursday, November 26th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, was 15,858. That's 15858. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, was 15,859. That's 15859. Okay, the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive eating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Nina R. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Nina. Hi, Melissa. Thank you for your service. This is Nina R. from New York City, recovering anorexic and bulimic. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves or us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching, fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defective characters. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, 
may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks. Thank you so much, Nina R., for your service. I will now ask Nan Kay to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Nan. Good morning. My name is Nan Kay from northern Michigan. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Here are the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much for your service, Nan Kay. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. And if you go over, you'll hear my timer, and I'll give you a gentle reminder. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, And for readers, is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass.
then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today, we resume our study of the Big Book. We are on page 19, the fourth paragraph of Necessity, Farewell, and we'll be reading one paragraph and commenting on one paragraph only. And I will now ask Susan A. to begin reading. Good morning. Good morning, Melissa. Yeah, jumped right in there. Sorry, Melissa. Good morning, and thank you for your service this month. It's been a wonderful month. I'm Susan H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Grateful to be here. Of necessity, there will have to be discussion of matters medical, physical, or psychiatric, social, and religious. We are aware that these matters are, from their very nature, controversial. Nothing would please us so much as to write a book which would contain no basis for contention or argument. We shall do our utmost to achieve that ideal. Most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and respect for their opinions or attitudes which make us more useful to others. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Um, I am very grateful to be in the position to read this. Um, What jumped out at me first, particularly when I read it first with my sponsor, was most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and respect for their opinions or attitudes which make us more useful. I was so grateful to be, after feeling judged for most of my life and judging myself pretty harshly most of my life in a place where there was respect for my opinions. There was respect for for me and non-judgment. So that, that is, is so valuable to um, have respect for uh, the opinions and, and ideals of others. Our very lives depend on this. And it comes back again to how our lives depend on constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Again, um, nothing ensures freedom from our compulsive eating so much as intensive work with other compulsive eaters, alcoholics. So uh, this, I have a lot highlighted in this uh, paragraph, along with the sentence, I'm grateful for non-judgment, and I'm still grateful for being here, for being shown non-judgment of others. I had a... uh, I had an incident where I had uh, I listened to a 10 step and someone's opinion was a lot different than mine but I was able to not look at their opinions but look at the emotions the fear the selfishness the things that they were looking at and uh, I think I was able to be helpful and I think it helped me And that is always the way when I am trying 
to reach out and help others. But that non-judgment really does play into it. And uh, grateful, and thank you so much for allowing me to speak and share. Have a good day. I pass. Oh, thank you so much, Susan H., for getting us started. Okay, so um, before I open up the lines for sharing, I want to remind us all that although we value your experience, we do ask that you limit your share to every third day. So if you've shared on Wednesday. Melissa, star one, please. Thank you so much. I went on and on. Um, Yeah, before I open up the lines for sharing, you can hear me now? Yes. Okay, thanks. Okay, great. I want to remind us all that although we value your experience, We ask that you limit your share to every third day. So if you've shared on Wednesday or Thursday, we ask that you refrain, hold back, in order that others might share their experience too. So who would like to share? Leah L. Janet Bay. This is Larry Kay. Janet B. Larry Kay. Terry Kay. Leah L. Ginger C. Laura L. Ginger. Laura. I missed someone in there. Hold on one second. Um, I got Lydia L., Janet B., Larry K., Terry K., Leah L., Ginger C., Laura L. I know I missed someone in there. Lisa B. Uh, On M. Lisa B. and On M. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Um, and yeah, So it's Lydia L., Janet B., Larry K., Terry K., Leah L., Ginger C., Laura L., Lisa B., on M., and Lydia L., if you could get us started. Hey, Melissa, can you hear me? Yep, I hear you. Okay. And I think it, you had me twice. My name's Leah L. from New York City. I think you have oh. me down as Lydia and oh, Leah. Yeah, too. No oh, worries. For Leah L. There is yeah. no Lydia. Okay. Correct. Exactly. Well, hello, okay. hello, everyone. Good morning. My name is Leah L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New York City. And um very grateful to all of you guys as I've uh, been listening since June and um completed the steps with a vision sponsor. And uh, this paragraph for me is a guiding principle, just like I've heard on this line so much, you know, getting abstinent really doesn't do much for me. It's the admission ticket, but my real unmanageability is my behavior in life. And I was just telling Asansi this morning, I think she's listening, but I used to, you know, think, oh, my God, i got to dodge everybody in life that harms me. I'm triggered. I'll start eating. They're harming me, especially people like my mother and things like this. And my sponsor, who is also probably listening, used to sort of tell me, you know, Leah, the road between treating your mom like shit and picking up the food is much closer than you think. And there was this big aha, like, oh, my God, it's less about what people do to me and more about 
how what I do to people. Like I can't afford, you know, just like they say, you know, justifiable anger is the dubious luxury of normal men. Like I can't afford, I have an allergic reaction to harming other people. Maybe other people can be a bitch out there in the world or be unkind or be judgmental or think negative thoughts or make ugly faces, but I can feel those disturbances now and I could feel the sting of that. And I never connected the dots. I never connected the dots between my animalistic behavior out in the world and picking up the food. And I'm so grateful for this work to connect those dots for me so I have something to do. I, I can feel sort of empowered to change my life and to make a choice. So my step guide talks about this. Most of us have a real tolerance. She connected to page 62, where it says selfishness and self-centeredness. That, we think, is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, delusion, self-seeking, self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later place us in a position to be hurt. So every day I have this ideal of like, what does it look like for me to practice real tolerance and respect for others? How does that show up in my life without harming people? Like be affirmative. What does it look like? I could dominate in meetings. I can, you know, shut down someone's idea very quickly. I can criticize my mother's cooking. You know, what does that really look like for me to show up with love and tolerance and learning? I have to learn it, how to be useful to others without an attitude, without harm. And today, that is my guiding principle. That gives me something to do, something to focus on instead of staring at myself in the mirror and really believing that the source of all of my pain is that my face doesn't look how I like it or my body doesn't look how I like it. And I just want to say, is that my time? I feel like it's coming to an end. Okay. (laughs) For next time, I'll share something else. Thanks so much to everybody on the line. And please give me a call anytime. Leah L. New York City. Thank you. Thanks so much, Leah L. Thank you. Okay, next up is Janet B. And Janet will be followed by Larry K. Good morning, Janet. Hi, good morning, Melissa. Good morning, everyone. This is Janet B. Recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. Um, What a crazy line. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers or eaters depends upon our constant thought of others and meeting their needs. Like, that just doesn't make sense at first glance because it looks like, well, I thought my life depended on sticking to a food plan. Um, But what this tells me is that I'm not able to stick to a food plan unless I think about others. I don't have the power to unless I think about others. And how come? That's just bizarre. And our book tells us, like in Chapter 5, that selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our illness. So I needed a root transplant. I needed God to take my roots and transplant them. And that's what he does. That's what our program does for us. By working these steps, it allows God to come in and do a root transplant. And what happens then? My values change. My priorities change so that I start caring about what God cares about. I start thinking about what God thinks about. And what does God think about? My opinion is that he created the world in six days, then he took a day off to rest, and then he spends the rest of eternity launching search and rescue programs for addicts. So if he's all loving 
and looking at, at how he can meet our needs. And my, the only way I can stay abstinent is to kind of be a little bit more like him, then that's what I need to do. I need to, from day one, start thinking of other people and how I can meet their needs. When Obviously, now in recovery, I can sponsor people. When I first started, I couldn't do that, so what did I do? I lived in New York City, so I just made sandwiches for homeless people on the street. So I think even in the pandemic, we can all look at who's in my life now, what need do they have, and how can I meet it? And when I do that, I'm becoming a little bit more like my creator, and the odds are that my roots will stay transplanted in him. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much, Janet B. Okay, next up is Larry Kay, and Larry will be followed by Terry Kay. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Melissa. Thanks so much for your service. Uh, Larry Kay from Chicago. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest indication of my recovery today is not um, not the number of days that I've been abstinent. It's not my prayer life. That's, that's not the biggest indication of my recovery. Um, the biggest indication of my recovery is not, uh, you know, the, the way I do a 10 step or anything along those lines. I think for me where the rubber meets the road uh, is, is when the biggest indication of my recovery today is when, I, when I'm working with someone and they're not ready to put the food down, they're not ready to uh, work the practical program of spiritual action. Can I accept? Can I, can I have tolerance for them? Can I have compassion for them? That, that's for me the biggest indication. It might be something different for you, but that's for me. You know, how can we tolerate the existence of opinions or behavior of others that we don't necessarily agree with. Because tolerance is a virtue. It's really a version of the golden rule in that as much as we want others to treat us decently, we need to treat them decently as well. And in a way, honestly, I see way too much uh, us versus them divisions, too much intolerance for opposing viewpoints. And, and, you know, for me, sadly, sometimes I observe sober people with many years of sobriety treating others with disdain, intolerance, and pettiness. And that's not who we are as a fellowship. See, there's no special ones here. There's not one among us on this line that walks on water or has achieved a special status. In fact, there, there is no status to be achieved here. There's no, no all-star team. Just a bunch of misfits that were touched by grace, unearned grace. Yeah, they did some work. And here's something else that occasionally seeps into my, my thick skull. You know, acceptance goes beyond tolerance. You know, um, you know can, I, can I live with a person who's not ready to put the food down or work the steps? Then acceptance moves beyond, you know, uh, beyond that. Can I accept that what you do is none of my business? See, you can tolerate something without accepting it, but you cannot accept something without tolerating, tolerating it. And, uh, you know, for me, um, one of the questions that I ask, you know, do I have understanding for that person? Do I get a vicarious thrill in catching you doing something wrong? What if I become more devoted to catching you doing something right rather than being intolerant, judgmental, and spewing on people? Here's a good question to wrap up, Melissa. What's it like to be my friend? 
my partner, my child today? What, what, what's it like to be a coworker of mine? Is it a struggle? Is it a pleasure? Is it unpredictable? Is it scary to be my friend? Does it wear you down? I'm always reminded love and tolerance of others is our code. That's our code. With that, I pass. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks so much, Larry. Okay, next up is Terry Kay, and Terry will be followed by Ginger C. Good morning, Terry. Hi, Melissa. Thank you for your service. This is Terry Kay, recovered in Missouri. Um, I want to share on the word service. Um, and I want to start off by saying something that really is powerful for me, which is something my sponsor has taught me that I can't think my way into good actions, but I can act my way into good thinking. And she's demonstrated for me um, a person who, who does so much service to the point where I've been quite judgmental. I thought she just wants to have so many friends and have so many people love her and be so important, you know, and <laughs> um, embarrassing to admit that. But what I've realized is, um, is that's her way of living from the, the principles of the program. And the way I want to relate that to my life is um, this summer I, I had a lot of pain with a herniated disc for about a month or two. And because I had had recovery principles instilled in me and because I knew that getting out of myself was a vital part of my recovery, when I would wake up at four or five in the morning in such pain, the first thing I would do was get on a, a source on my phone to be available for outreach, take a call, and I felt better. It wasn't. It was like a, a little bit of a pain pill, because when I focus on me and my pain, then my pain increases. When I focus on others and my service, God graces me with positive feelings, and um, it's been such a gift. And you know, I used to, as many of us probably, you know, have that struggle with yo-yo dieting and either on a diet or off a diet and it was all about trying to control my food and manage my weight and obviously I came here and found out that wasn't possible I have a, a twofold illness and only God through the spiritual um, experience and these steps can I recover from that but what I've realized is when I embrace the service then I get the actions that change my thinking and not the other way around. And then finally, I'll close with, you know, um, I used to fear, healthy fear of that first compulsive bite because I knew that, you know, I need to stay spiritually fit so that I'm not called to the food and I have the grace of neutrality around the food today. But where my healthy fear falls today is not about the food. The fear that I have today, the healthy fear is getting out of service. I fear that because I know for me, and if I ever I talk to somebody who's had a relapse, I ask them, are you, are you of service? And, and a lot of times it's no, I haven't been. And that's what keeps me sober. That's what keeps me um, right-sized. And I'm so grateful. And I'm grateful to be on this meeting and so grateful for this vision meeting because before that I didn't have any idea how the big book could help me recover. So with that, I pass. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much, Terry Kay. Okay, next up is Ginger C, and Ginger will be followed by Laura L. Good morning, Ginger. 
Good morning, Melissa. Thank you so much for your service. And Susan H., what a beautiful beginning. Thank you for your service as well. I am Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And it begins with, of necessity, we're going to discuss matters medical, psychiatric, social, and religious, which we know from their very nature are controversial. So this is almost a warning to proceed with caution. We have ceased fighting anything or anyone, and we don't want contention or argument. We want to be of maximum usefulness. And we want to cooperate, not criticize. So again, my most important work every day is on 77. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be in this fit spiritual condition. So God's leading the way through my life, not ginger, self-propulsion, and self-centered behaviors. So then I can be of maximum service to God and the people about us because I don't know who God's going to put in my life today. And they may be blue and I may be red. They may be masked and I may be unmasked. And guess what? My job is that they're dying in the food and how am I helping them to connect to God? And it's so simple. All I do is read a book and stay out of my opinions and keep my eyes on my own work. You know, this paragraph really sums it up in four words. Live and let live. And again, why is this so important? Because we want the usefulness. So many are dying in the food today. They're in that spiritual death where you're a zombie, you're walking around, you don't even want to be living because of the pain of the eating, yet you can't stop. And how am I showing up? Because really, relationships and having a soft heart to all people We need to love more. No matter what the question, love is always your answer. And so how do we do this work? I love Bill. He just lays it out so simple. Most of us sense that real tolerance, not mustard tolerance, you may be smiling on the outside, but your insides are anything but. That penetrates the pores. People feel that. Real tolerance of people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions. You have a right to yours. Let them have their right to theirs. And then, you know, again, the work that we could do if we show up in this way. And again, we're human. We're going to fall short. But this is the goal. And my friend always tells me, Ginger, if they could do better, they would. I want to assume you're doing your best. So I can believe in you and build you and not tear you down. You're already tearing yourself down enough. And I'm hoping that you can hold that for me as well. You know, our CEO just gave us this beautiful talk to this, our organization because a lot of them are, you know, first responders. And there's a lot today in this fatiguing pandemic. And he said, how about we practice some more grace with one another, especially in these challenging times? And in doing this, I find I'm no longer working the program. I'm living it. And I live it by practicing these principles in all my affairs, not just the people that make me feel good. Those disturbances are your greatest gifts. That's where you're really growing. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You know, We get to practice these principles, and I get to meet you where I'm at. So chapter 7, it doesn't say bossing others, telling others, or controlling others. Chapter 7 says we work with others, and with that I pass.
Thank you. Thanks, Ginger. Okay, next up is Laura L., and Laura will be followed by Lisa B. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, Melissa. Uh, this is Laura L. from Pennsylvania, Recovered Compulsive Eater. Um, I really want to thank everyone for sharing. I definitely um, relate to this part where constant thought of others and meeting their needs, um, where it says our lives depend on it. And I don't know if it was because I was young when I came into this program, but you know, the big book threatens my life so many times in a very precious, very kind ways, but says, if you don't do this, you know, your life is on the line here. Um, and I stand by the bedside of people, you know, on ventilators where if we shut it down, they're dead. You know, so I, I really, I don't just take this as an Im, you know, some imagery. I take it literally, you know, that this is a warning to me that if I'm not thinking of others and just thinking of myself, I'm done. Um, and in Tradition 5, where it talks about our primary purpose is to carry the message. You know, my sponsor once said to me, she said, I think your primary purpose is you. And she was freaking right. I mean, there was no, it, it was about my degree, my wealth, you know, my degrees, my success, my kids, my husband, you know, my laundry. You know, and slowly and incrementally, I can shift back into into self, and I can become the center of my universe very, very quickly. Um, and I'll join the ranks of the unsurrendered very, very quickly without me even knowing it. You know, um, and no matter how good my life gets out here, it ain't no good unless it's good in here, in my heart and in my head. It's just no good. Um, and in the big book, it'll say, you know, that uh, you'll serve one thing: you'll either serve yourself, or you're going to serve a purpose and a power greater than yourself. Um, but ultimately, you know, you're going to serve something. Um, and the truth is, is I've spent my whole life serving myself with food. I mean, truly. Um, and I'm just astounded how easily I could just say, well, I'm just going to not eat, go to meetings um, and pray. And before you know it, my life becomes all about me again. You know, when I'm not working and, and looking how I can help others, not just in a way, but just in my life in general. I um, mean, it's really odd. Like the closer I get with you is the closer I get with God. And that is really odd. It should be quite the opposite. But for me, that's what's really true. Um, and that part where it talks about nothing ensures immunity as to working with others. You know, and, and, you know, you don't know that until you claim it. You have absolutely no clue of that until you absolutely do that. And I love, I've heard a man say once, you are tying God's hands if you are not helping others and not just in a way, in just in life. Um, and that, that real purpose it talks about in our book, about being of maximum service. And the reason I need to do that is, I heard this guy say it because I'm like a toilet bowl. You know, you flush me and I just keep filling up with myself. You know, so this is why I need to do this. Um, and this, this one thing I heard at one time, this man said, this is like, our program is like passing the baton in the biggest spiritual relay race. And when I pass the baton to you, you pass it back to me. And when you watch these Olympic guys, they don't just run with the damn baton and not pass it to the next one. <laughs> I mean, what are they going to keep running around the track? They pass it on to the next person in line. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do here. Um, so I'm just really grateful that you guys have taught me that I keep nothing unless I give it away and I must give it not only to people in the program, but to people out in the world, because I could get real selfish. I could look at you and, oh my God, they're going to get on the elevator with me. I'm not in the mood for this today. I mean, what are they doing? Nothing. They're just getting on the elevator, but that's just more self can get me some days when I'm not spiritually fit. Um, so anyway, um, thank you for letting me share and that's all I have. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much, Laura L. Next up is Lisa B, and Lisa will be followed by Ann M. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service, and this is an amazing meeting. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. I do spell my name L-E-S-A. 
Um, the line that jumps out for me is, we shall do our utmost to achieve that ideal. I like that it's we, we shall do our utmost to achieve that ideal. I have an ideal that I'm learning from studying this book about tolerance, which is so new for me, um, about trying to avoid controversy and not talking at people, you know, and lecturing at people, um, but sharing from my own experience, learning to share from my heart, not just giving them a podcast or a page number, you know. Sometimes it's easier just to give them a podcast, but learning to sit with them, you know, in this case, many times in our meeting, it's on the phone. And now, of course, the pandemic, it's on the phone and sharing from my heart. And, and sometimes that's hard. And I have to ask God to please help me. That's why this meeting is so amazing this morning, because it's you all are telling me you're teaching me that my very life depends on thinking of others. When I start to think about myself, I'm in trouble. You know, if I have a new hairstyle and I don't like it and I start to think about it, I'm in dangerous waters. And for someone that's not an addict or a type of person that I am, a compulsive overeater, um, that may not be a big deal. But for me, that's so deadly. I've got to always be looking, thinking of others. And that's why this meeting, I need to be reminded and I learn about my ideals you know, by studying this book with all of you. And I was thinking about 15 years ago, if I had come to this meeting, I would have thought you all are way too extreme, way too over the top. And it didn't mean that I was a bad person. It just, I wasn't ready. I still thought I could live by self-propulsion. I still thought I had ways that were going to work for me. And, you know, I think maybe in some ways I did, but with the progressiveness of this illness and with aging, um, I can't live by self-propulsion. It's just way too painful. It's like stepping into acid water and staying in it. I can't live in an acid place like that anymore. I used to. I used to be able to, but for whatever reason, something changed. So my very life depends on learning this new way of living, these new ideals. And there's no way in a million years I could do this without getting abstinent and without doing the steps. I don't have the ability. You know, I just want to share to people. Sometimes when you hear us all share on the line, we all sound like we've got it so together that we've been professional speakers. That's what I used to think. Oh, my God, they've all learned how to do professional speaking, you know. But I have bad days. I have tough days. You know, it's not all great, great sunny days. But I have a way of living and I don't have to stay in that. You know, I have a way of living that I can tap back into that source, that power. And I need all of you, and I need to be reminded of our ideals. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lisa B. Okay, next up is on M, and then we'll open it back up for more shares. Good morning, on. Hi, Melissa. Uh, can I be heard? You sure can. Lovely. Thanks, Melissa, and thanks for your service. Um, I'm Anne M. I'm from Ireland. I'm a gracefully recovered compulsive overeater. And thank you for your service and for, wow, what a powerful meeting. It's just so powerful. It really is. And the wonderful shares. Um, yeah, this paragraph, again, for me, it's, it's the part here where it says, you know, most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints um, and a respect for their opinions and attitudes are what makes us more useful to others. 
And again, this just absolutely homes to me about, you know, acceptance. It's the acceptance of myself and others. You know, acceptance is the answer. And it's that chapter, you know, in the book, I love that chapter. And it's where I, if I criticize myself or others, I'm criticizing God's handiwork, you know. And it just really shows to me, you know, the power of, you know, love and tolerance of others is our code. It just really always summarizes the steps and the principles of the steps for me. And, uh, yeah, it just brings in the tradition as well of, you know, personalities and principles, that tradition that just shows me, again, I'm here to be useful, not to criticize. Um, And I love the words on the next part where it's, you know, ideal. Yeah, it's the ideal, but, you know, we are all human, you know, and we do have, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we do have, you know, indivi- we're all individual, all coming in from different places, different nationalities. We don't get into, you know, race, creed, whatever. Um, yeah, and, and meeting people where they're at and meeting of people's, their needs, you know, it just makes me more humble. I'm not any better than anybody else or, or below anybody else in the in the fellowship. And, you know, it's working with others. It's not that I know too much more. I just have been given this gift and it's it's up to me to pass it on. You know, and it's it's that part as well of, of me, the selfish, self-seeking part, you know, that, that, that sometimes I have to bring that principle. I can't enable people. You know, if there's if 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 it's that non-negotiable stuff in the step work, you know that needs to be said. It needs to be said with love as well. Um, yeah, and it's all about love. We shared earlier. You know, we're all individuals, um, <clears throat> and I'm God's agent. I'm carrying this message, um, and it really makes me look at how I carry this message. You know, with love. Um, you know, but but again, you know, not enabling anybody or and and again, it just makes me look at me and 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 what I'm doing and how I'm serving God, um, and this whole paragraph I think just reads the word acceptance for me, acceptance of myself and for others. So if I don't accept myself, I won't accept others, and treating the people that I love with respect in all my affairs, um, yeah, and it just shows me the value and the power of working with others. You know, God gives it to me and I give it to other people and I find it a challenge sometimes. It's a gift and more times, you know, but that's how I grow in love and understanding and effectiveness. You know, how I carry this message to other people um, and, you know, remembering that it is, you know, it is insurance against and, and losing my own recovery. It is insurance and I have to keep this and how I keep it is by giving it away, you know, and I cannot transmit something I don't have. Yeah, and it's it's you know it's how useful I am to God. Um, I think I've come to time probably now, yeah. Melissa. Thank you so much again, and with that I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Anna. Okay, so um, before I open up the lines again for sharing, I just want to remind us that um, if you've shared on Wednesday or Thursday, just hang back so that others might share their experience too. Who else would like to share? Amy G. Larry G. Larry G. Trisha C. Lida C. in Florida. Jennifer C. Hold on one second. It was Lida? Yes. In Florida. And there was one other voice I just heard. I missed it right at the end. Jennifer C. Jennifer. Okay, so let's stop there and see where that... 
strings. That hopefully will fit everyone in. All right, so I've got Amy G, Larry G, Trisha C, Lightus, I think it's G, and Jennifer C. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you so much for your service. Wow, what an awesome meeting. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Wow, just going to jump on the bandwagon here. Of necessity, there will be a discussion of some matters, yada, yada, controversial, and we shall do our utmost, um, you know, to achieve that ideal, to stay out of the controversy. And to me, this kind of reminds me probably of the growing pains that Alcoholics Anonymous went through early in recovery and what birthed, birthed, if that's the word, birthed, the the 12 traditions. And um, as alluded to earlier, Tradition 5, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. But also, uh, Tradition 10, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the AA name, ought never be drawn into public controversy. So what I, I think this is so so important for us to to remember and understand in, in the world that we live in even today, how it applies back then and how it applies now with AA being, uh, you know, many, many decades old now, how important that is. We talked about that earlier in the chapter, in the first page of this, this chapter, there is a solution. It says we are people that would normally not mix, but now there exists a fellowship of friendliness and understanding the feeling of having shared in a common peril is one element in this powerful cement which binds us. So, you know, when I have someone ask me to sponsor them, I don't ask them what faith they are, what, what religion they are. I keep the primary purpose the primary purpose. That's what we're supposed to do. My very life depends upon, as so many others have so well said, my very life and my recovery depend on me being of maximum service to the still-suffering compulsive overeater. And if I'm going to be of maximum service to the still-suffering compulsive overeater for my own life, I better put myself in a position so that I can be of maximum service because I know my life depends upon it. So in order to do that, I have to be abstinent. I have to work the 12 steps. I have to be recovered. I work the tools every day. I be of service to my fellow man. And I don't do that. I do that with, with judgment. I don't do that with judgment. I do it with love and tolerance. I think Larry said love and tolerance is our code. And I also have to understand that just because you're a different faith, religion, social status, or whatever, doesn't mean that I can't be effective in sponsoring you. My problem in early recovery was not that I judged you. I thought that I couldn't sponsor you because I wouldn't be able to relate to you if you weren't of the same social status or background or sex. And that is absolutely, fast forward to C24, absolutely not the case. If I keep the primary purpose, the primary purpose, I am God's message for recovery. And that's all I need to be, the recovery from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And that's all I need to do is to carry that message. There's no other message that needs to be carried but the one of recovery and that there is hope and that these 12 steps transform lives through recovery from compulsive overeating. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Oh, perfect timing. Thanks so much, Amy. Mm-hmm. Great. Next up is Larry G, and Larry will be followed by Trisha C. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. My name's Larry G, and I'm from Northern California, and uh, what an awesome call. Um, I just love the way Bill writes. You know, this guy was a, before he got sober, a snake oilsman, salesman on Wall Street. And how this man, this is divinely, divinely written. 
he uses such simple words. Uh, I'm, I'm keying in on the word useful. It's mentioned 10 times in, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, you know, the, the miracle, the miracle is not, it's not that I went to bed last night absent for the first time in 20 years. The real juice is I went to bed last, woke up this morning. I was useful. I was a family member among family members. Um, to me, this embodies the seventh step on humility. And I used to preach from the, the podium that I was, uh, I was, that I had got this principle down. Um, and in 2007, I went through the steps. And for the first time, I went through a, a thorough seven step. And I had a complete collapse of spiritual, emotional, and physical, complete collapse. And we spent probably three months on step seven. It was always, step seven to me was always um, the breath before the plunge, you know, before uh, eight, nine. And I remember just crying my way. Uh, I think one of the most elegant reads on on humility is the uh, in the 12 by 12, AA 12 by 12. It's just eloquently written. Um, there's no, you know, humility is beyond my grasp uh, as long as I'm a food drunk. And last uh, Thanksgiving, um, I remember being collapsed on the couch. I was just in a food coma. I just wanted people just to get the F away from me. Um, you know, I, I looked like I was having fun outside, but I just couldn't wait for people to leave so I could eat more, you know, Thanksgiving trimmings. And yesterday I was useful to my family. Um, I'm recovered today, but I will never recover from uh, the lack at times of, of humility, uh, pride, ego. I suffer from uh, wanting to be acknowledged, to be approved, to be appreciated. I've done more 10 steps since I've come to Visions in May than I've done in the past 20 years in OA. Um, it's easy for me to sponsor people today. Uh, I detach from them. I love them. But it's, it's a challenge for me to be useful in my marriage or useful uh, in my neighborhood or useful in um, organizations outside of uh, a 12-step programs. This is a lifelong for me. And it's been said on this call to me, um, I show my love for God by, obe by obedience to God. And what that means to me is to be useful to my fellow man, to love my fellow man. Um, anyway, I am so grateful for visions. I'm so grateful that uh, sponsor is taking me through the steps in this program. That today I'm, I'm absent. Um, everybody have a great day. Thank you. I'm out. Thank you. Thanks so much, Larry J. Okay, next up is Trisha C. And Trisha will be followed by Lydia. Good morning, Trisha. Good morning, Melissa. I'm Trisha C. from New Hampshire. Recovered. Um, compulsive overeater, and I just um, I read this last line. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend on our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Well, I'll tell you, first of all, ex-problem drinker to me is recovered, right? Um, we're not cured. I'm not cured, but food doesn't grip me anymore. Um, but when I was in the food, I couldn't think of other people. I didn't even care what happened to other people. I was in self-pity. 
I was in, uh, all I could do was think about myself and anything that came up was like, well, how is this going to affect me? I mean, oh my gosh, the self-focus just kills me now. And what kills me even more is that I didn't even know I was self-focused. I thought, well, of course, I'm thinking about myself. You would too, if you were in my situation. But now, um, yesterday when I went, I did my two-way prayer in the morning, just listening prayer to God. And I was like, God, today, what, what do you have for me today? How can I be of service? And I was experiencing a little resentment and, you know, did a few 10 steps on my family, like preemptive 10 steps, <laughs> knowing that I was going to be resentful for people not helping. Um, and God said, I want you to be thankful for specific things about each member of your family. And also, I want you to think of how you can be helpful to each one. Today, how can you bless each member of your family? And I have to tell you, it turned the day around for me. Uh, I did, and I did. I followed through with each of those things that I felt God told me to serve each member of my family yesterday. And um, that's a miracle. It is a miracle that I stayed out of the food yesterday, but it is a greater miracle that I was thinking about them and not me. And with that, I'll pass. Oh, thank you so much, Trisha. Okay, next up we have Lydia. And Jennifer, I don't believe that we're going to be able to um, get you in. Please stay second. And Lydia, I've got two minutes. Thank you, and thank you, everyone, for being here. I'm Lida C. I'm recovering. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, Lida C. Recovering in uh, Southwest Florida. So this paragraph was forceful, um, powerful. I think I can check off all of the criteria of medical, psychiatric, social, and religious illness in my disease. And um, the discussion is a must. It's controversial only in the, for me, only in the sense of how much I argue the point or how much I try to be defiant. Um, this, um, uh, this discussion infuses me when I talk to um, recovered fellows with that experience, strength, and hope that there is a solution. And um, so doing my utmost and stopping, stop the fight with everything and everyone is my must. Um, practicing that code of love and tolerance. Um, the other thing was um, the ex-problem drinker statement. It was testimony. It was um, it was a way for me to identify with recovery as well as uh, the common problem that we all share. And it it, it uh, fills me with hope that um, I can have what you all have if I um, if I if I do my part. If I get out of myself and I'm willing to, to do the work um, to uh, seek and pursue that uh, spiritual fitness. Um, that helps me get out of me and think of everyone else, uh, my family, my friends, my fellows, my patients, um, and how I can be of service. That, to me, is doing God's will, pure and simple. And thank you, everyone, for infusing me with your power. I'll pass. Oh, thank you so much, Lida. Okay, um, so we've come to the end. Um, I want to thank everyone who shared at this meeting, and I'm hoping you'll join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. 
And the share ID for today's meeting, November 27th, the 7 a.m. meeting, has been 15,867. That's 15867. Um, and we will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Margaret D. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. Um, this is Margaret D. in Georgia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning medication, right, your morning medication, your morning meditation, what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.